Hi, I'm Esther, and today I'll be talking about something very close to my heart, mental health and finding happiness. There's a lot out there about mental health right now. Awareness is great, but what does it really mean? I wonder what it means to you. I'd like to spend a few minutes speaking about how there is hope that can significantly improve your mental health and or for those around you, no matter how good or bad it might currently be. Mental health is such a huge subject and covers so many different areas, and I'll be touching on some difficult ones. For those of you that don't know me, I am a warrior. I am a massive warrior. I overthink everything. I worry about things that will probably never even happen. I originally listed so many examples of worry when, it, when I was preparing for this, it took me two minutes over time, so, and that was with a cutback version. Worry can be immobilizing, but it doesn't have to be. I used to always expect the worst. If there was something to worry about, I could find it. But so many of my worries have never even been an issue, and when they have, they were only an issue for a moment in time. Things have always turned out okay. Depression is something that I have been aware of for most of my life. Since I was young, I had relatives with depression. As a teenager, I noticed my own level of sadness and worry increase, and the feeling of happiness fading away and in my mid-twenties, I was diagnosed with depression myself. I've lived with it for many years and have learned some useful coping mechanisms. Now, it's not always easy. We are tested, and I've been tested and faced with some challenges along the way. But there is a wonderful passage in the Bible that I often turn to. I love that the Bible actually tells us not to worry. And in this passage in particular, Jesus teaches us about worry. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I take such comfort in this, but some days it's easier than others. Over the last few years, I've had a couple of particularly challenging periods that really did test my faith, my hope and my resilience. One of these situations resulted in a close relative making an attempt on their life. I'll spare the details, but as a result of, of, of extreme anxiety and depression, they were quite simply no longer wanting to live. Trying to find a way to support was the most difficult thing I'd ever have to do. It was desperately sad, emotionally exhausting, and often I felt like it would never end. However, over the last few years, their life has turned around. It took some time, it took a long time, but now they are a shining light, a beautiful example of what patience and determination can help you achieve, and I believe lots of prayer. I love being able to share that miraculous story that started in such a dark place but has such a positive outcome. However, around the same time, I had a very close friend who was battling addiction, a really extreme addiction. I wanted to do nothing more than to help them. I did everything I knew how to help them, but ultimately I wasn't successful and that friend took their own life. It was a really painful time. It can be hard to understand why God allows such torment, such grief, and in this situation, why God allows for two little children to be left without one of their parents. I can't answer these specific questions, 
but I do know it's in God's hands and it will be managed in his own time. Instead of spiraling into a deep depression of my own, I turned to God. I asked for his help and he was there with me, guiding me, helping me process the loss of somebody close to me. Now those were tough situations, but I believe I had those experiences so that I can share and help others in similar situations. I believe I was able to cope thanks to being able to talk to and share with a great network of friends that I'd been blessed with, which was the answer to prayer that I needed. I didn't always feel possible, it didn't always feel possible at the time, but I've learned that there is always hope. In the Psalms, um, a book of poems, um, 55 verse 22, it says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. God wants us to cast our cares on him, but we often try and bear them ourselves. The human mind is incredibly complex. God, though, not only understands every last intricate synapse in our brain, he creates each and every one of them. Not only is he aware of every hair follicle on our head purposefully designed to protect our brain, he created them. There are multiple references throughout the Bible that demonstrate uh, God's strength and love, which can help us with our mental health. I don't have time to go into them all, but another of my favourites is in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We can have boundless hope if we trust in him. It doesn't mean that we'll always be spared pain and suffering, but by being active in showing humility and asking for help, God will see us through to a truly awesome conclusion. We don't need to submit to our circumstances, but to the Lord who controls them. Some other reminders that I love from um, some of the other books of the New Testament include Philippians um, chapter four, verse six. Do not be anxious about anything. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave you with, my peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And of course, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Do not worry. Personally, I've discovered a surefire way to stop those thoughts of worry in their tracks. Instead of catastrophizing, building everything up to be so big it feels insurmountable, like there's no hope I could overcome the mountain ahead, I take a moment and I pray and ask for guidance, for a clear path, for wisdom and strength to get through it. The path isn't always clear and it isn't always easy, but one thing we have is God's unfailing guidance. It's there if we want it and all we need to do is ask, listen and open our hearts. It can take a bit of time and it can take patience and can involve hardship because ultimately we do live in a world of sin and that means we need to deal with some tough stuff. The Bible doesn't actually say that we won't be given anything more than we can handle but we definitely won't be given anything more than God can handle. And there are a lot fewer of those bad times and they're much shorter and it's so much easier to cope with them when you invite Jesus into your life and place your trust in him. Bad things do happen, but they are only temporary. It's how we respond that determines the future. It's only a moment in time and more often than not, looking back, those mountains really were just molehills. 
While you might not be able to forget, you can use your experiences to shape you and use them in a positive way. Have you ever thought about how you can use your experiences to help others going through similar situations? Life doesn't stop challenging you, but you grow, and with God by your side and putting your worries in his hands, life gets better. It has so much more to give, and that's just this life, let alone the wonders of heaven. Some of us are just genetically predisposed to certain things such as depression. We're all built in a way with our own unique personality type and behavioural and emotional traits. And that's great. How boring would life be otherwise? That's the way we have been purposefully made. And for those of you who are programmed just to be happy, thank you for making our world a better place with your smiles and your kindness. You are God sent to and please keep passing on your blessings to those around you. It makes a difference to me, that's for sure. In Proverbs uh, 12, uh, verse 25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I think that's so good to remember. I know this is a sensitive topic, but unfortunately, it is real life. The good news, however, is that there is hope and a better future ahead, and it starts with you and a relationship with God. He knows our every thought, good and bad, and still loves us with abundance regardless. What is it that you're worried about? If maybe, just maybe, something has spoken to you just now, perhaps you'll take your first next step and join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are always with us, that you love us in the darkest and brightest of times. Thank you that you only want the best for us. Lord, I pray for anyone who's listening that needs you, that you will hear their prayers and bless them with your presence and your power to heal. Please provide them with the courage and confidence to take the next step in moving their life forward. In your precious name, amen. If you'd like to talk about anything that you might have been affected by, there are a number of ways to get in touch. You can call or email our church office and the details for which are on our website, which is andoverbaptist.org.uk. There are a huge amount of practical resources available online and over the phone that is specialised to specific types of mental health issues. If there is something burdening you, I hope you'll be encouraged to talk. Please do get in touch and we'll do whatever we can to help. ABC does have its own counselling service and you can reach us by making contact at the church office or directly at counselling at andoverbaptist.org.uk. It's a completely confidential and judgment-free opportunity to focus on improving your mental health and working towards a better, happier life. It's possible and it's in reach. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to bring a word to your people. I thank you for those who will be under the sound of my voice, whose lives will be blessed by your word. Those here in the room, those watching at home, and those who will watch on demand. May they encounter you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will move and do what only you can do, that there will be less of me and more of you. May all the glory be yours, in Jesus' name, amen. For anyone like me who likes taking notes, my topic for today is God will bring you back. I would like us to look at Deuteronomy verse 30 and verse 4, which reads, Even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. 
I just find this scripture so powerful because it speaks volume to me. It tells us that it does not matter where you are or what you've done. God will bring you back. That's God's promise to us. Okay, so just to give you some context about this passage of scripture. The book of Deuteronomy is made up of the final speeches of Moses before he passes leadership on to Joshua. Moses reminds the people of God's law and of their journey thus far. What's their story? The people in this text refers to the Israelites whom God delivered from slavery in Egypt. God heard their cries and sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt to the promised land. This journey was not an easy one for the Israelites, and I will encourage you to read Exodus in full for a deeper awareness of the difficulties that the nation of Israel faced. It is filled with some amazing chapters that would leave you in awe of the goodness of God and his constant provision and mercy towards his people. We learn in the story how Moses journeyed with the Israelites to the wilderness. What should have taken them 40 days took them 40 years because of their disobedience. He led the Israelites as far as God would allow him. As we may know, Moses was a little bit naughty and didn't actually set foot on the promised land, but he did get to see it from the mountaintop. The Lord told him to climb Mount Nebo and from the top of Pishkar, the Lord showed him all the land he promised the Israelites will be theirs flowing with milk and honey. Moses handed over the task of shepherding God's people to Joshua. Before God allowed the people to enter the land he had given to them, he made a covenant with them. He wanted them to maintain their walk with him once they entered the promised land. The covenant was a conditional agreement between God and the Israelites. It required each party to do something and a breach of covenant would result in a consequence. In this case, to carefully follow the terms of the covenant would see the Israelites prosper in everything they did. What is interesting though is that God already predicted Israelites um, Israel's disobedience. So what does God do? He offers them a reminder. He gave Moses a song to teach the people so that it will witness to their hearts to remind them of their covenant when they stray and do the very things they promised not to do. You see, the people of Israel had a bit of a reputation in that they were constantly returning to idols and doing evil in the sight of the Lord. There is a passage where Moses says to the people in Deuteronomy verses 31, chapter 31, sorry, verses 27 to 29. For I know how rebellious and stiff naked you are. If you have been rebellious against the Lord while I am still alive and with you, how much more will you rebel after I die? Assemble before me all the elders of your tribes and all the officials so I can speak these words in their hearing and call the heavens and the earth to testify against them. For I know after my death, you are sure to become utterly corrupt and turn from the way I have commanded you. In days to come, disaster will fall on you because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord and arouse his anger by what your hands have made. In today's society, it is easy to ensnare ourselves, to make idols of things that are really for our use, but which we let control us. I am sure that if we took snapshots of our lives, we may find a few distractions that may very well be considered idols. Anything that consumes us and acts as a hindrance to our worship to God can be seen as an idol. Our phones, social media, money, just to name a few.
There are some chapters in my life that I am not proud of. Those that really tested the nature of Christ in me. You see, I got baptized when I was 13 years old because I was always zealous about the things of God. As a child, I recall crying to go to Sunday school when there was no one to take me. We didn't own a car, so we walked from home to most places since we lived in the capital city of St. Vincent. Even now, my mom would remind me of these moments and we would laugh about it. However, as I grew into a young adult, I had to face the pressures of life. I was exposed to a lot of things at a young age because of how rough the area was where I grew up, but I held on to Jesus. Eventually, though, at some point, I did succumb to the temptations of this world. This world can really suck you in if you're not grounded. The enemy is always looking for an opening, a crack, an area in your life where he can make his entrance and then fester like a bad wound. It wasn't too long before I had backslidden and engaged in worldly activities. There was a spiritual battle, as the word of God says in Galatians verse 5 and chapter 5 and verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. I don't know about you, but I am sure glad that the Holy Spirit does not allow me to do whatever I want. In all of it, what was always evident was the Spirit of God convicting me along the way. As a result, I could never really enjoy the things of the world. It was always temporary and fleeting and then I would just regret it all. You see, the pull of God has always been strong on my life and I feel it all the time. God is alive and active in my life and I know that I am chosen. I thank God that nothing I have ever done and would ever do can separate me from his love. In the end, sometimes we suffer great losses that could have been avoided and other times we simply find our way back home in one piece. But whole or not, the word of God tells us that no matter how far we go, he will find us and bring us back to him. As soon as we come to our senses, his arms are wide open to receive us. Rededicating my life to Christ felt like coming back home. Can you imagine with me? So you've been away for a few months or a few years even, and everyone gathers at the door waiting for you to walk in to scream at you. Welcome home. <laughs> That's what it felt like for me. And I don't ever want to lose that feeling again. Even on my worst days, I am thankful that I am walking with Jesus. I am reminded of the story of the prodigal son. If you're not familiar with this story, it's in Luke 15, 11 to 32. It tells of a story of a father with two sons. The younger son asks for his portion of his inheritance. The father grants his request and he moves away from home. However, while on his own, he depletes his inheritance and soon realizes that life was better with his father. In fact, it was so bad that he was eating what was given to the swine. He soon came to his senses and said, I would rather return to my father's house and ask to be hired as a servant since he didn't think he was worthy to be called a son. But he thought to himself, even my father's servants eat better than this. He decided to return home and sure enough, his father was waiting to receive him with arms wide open. And he even put a feast on in his honor. What am I trying to tell you? Maybe you're here today or watching on demand and feel like you have gone too far. 
that you've done too much and it's all unforgivable. I want you to know that nothing that you have ever done can disqualify you from the love of Jesus. God's grace is sufficient. Just as the story of the prodigal son, his father welcomed him home with arms wide open despite what he had done. Your heavenly father is waiting for you to come to yourself. In the story of the prodigal son, the scripture says, when he had come to himself, that suggests that he was not thinking clearly before, but when he came to his senses, he thought, my father's servants eat better than this. Let us read that scripture. We can pick it up in Luke 15 and verses 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. God is waiting for you to remember who you are, whose you are. Then you too will return home to him. If you cry out from wherever you are, he will find you and bring you back to him. Will you surrender your life to Jesus? Perhaps you've done it before and like me straight away. Time and time again, we see God's forgiveness and faithfulness. Often, just like the Israelites, we too make mistakes and sometimes we need to be reminded of God's love for us and how he wants us to live with him. Maybe you've silenced the voice of the Holy Spirit and started listening to your flesh. Perhaps it's time to say, Lord, more of you and less of me. Help me to get out of the way so that you can take charge of my life. A life with God is beautiful when you own it. In Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. We need Jesus. In our own strength, we cannot live a holy life, but with God, we have all we need. Thank you for listening and I hope you will join us for the next one. Bye.